This beatitude today deals with persecution. And persecution may or may not be something that you experience uh, commonly in your life, but it is a very common experience around the world of Christians. An example of this, an article in the Baltimore Sun, this appeared a year ago, concerning the persecution of Christians around the world, and it says, Witness the recent Easter Sri Lanka slaughter of hundreds of Christians. The ruling Chinese Communist Party has destroyed churches and jailed evangelical preachers. There is a near genocide of Christians in Iraq. And lest you think this is all hyped, a recent study by the Anglican Church ordered by Britain's Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, found that 80% of religious persecution is against Christians. We may also recall, near and far, present and past, Chick-fil-A boycotts, beheadings in the Mediterranean, nearly 300 girls abducted and enslaved by Boko Haram in Nigeria, Southern Baptist worshipers killed by a racist nationalist, the Sudan Darfur massacres, Every month, about 345 Christians are killed and 105 churches or Christian buildings are razed or pillaged, according to Nina Shea of the Hudson Institute. Our passage today, Matthew 5, 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today, as we look at this last beatitude, I'm going to ask and answer four questions related to our text. They are going to be these. Number one, what is Persecution for righteousness' sake. Number two, what is persecution for righteousness' sake? Evidence of. Number three, what types of persecution can we experience? And number four, why should we be happy when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake? Number one, what is persecution for righteousness' sake? Persecution for righteousness' sake is persecution for following God's commands, namely Christ's commands in context. Let's take a look at a few of the verses here in the Beatitudes and then in the following Sermon on the Mount that gives us context. Again, Matthew 5, 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Then Matthew 5, 14, just a few verses later, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In Matthew 5, 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So see, we've got this righteousness referred to in context. It's doing good deeds. It's being light in a world of darkness as we live it out for Jesus Christ and we follow his commands. In fact, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is really an, really an unpacking of what righteousness really is and what it looks like as opposed to the righteousness of the Pharisees. And some of these things include, for instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, 
Instead of being angry with people, forgiving people, loving your neighbor, even your enemy, keeping sex within the confines of your husband-wife relationship, not only in action but also in your thinking, remaining faithfully committed to your spouse, uh, tell uh, the truth, Uh, your word should be your bond, and your worship of God should not be a show for others but a heartfelt expression of your faith, love, and dependence of God. Did I just lose my, uh, I I think I lost my mic. Um, There we go. Okay, we're on again. All right. So um, just because I didn't quote from those particular moral items, that doesn't mean you can ignore them. They're still there. There's just examples of things that Christ covered Uh, related to uh, what righteousness looks like. So you're blessed if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, You're not blessed if you're persecuted for sin. And we see this as the Apostle Peter lays it out in 1 Peter 3, 13 and following. He's obviously, uh, in essence, giving commentary and application to his audience related to this beatitude, First Peter chapter three thirteen says, "Now who is there to harm you, if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you." Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. So don't be persecuted for sin, for cheating and lying and and whatever. And we find even here in 1 Peter that Christians are to respond to unbelievers with gentleness and respect. And so don't even be persecuted for obnoxiousness and snarkiness. Uh, Be persecuted for righteousness. Secondly, what does persecution for righteousness sake evidence? What is it evidence of in the one who is persecuted? It's evidence of your citizenship. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecution for Christ's sake demonstrates the reality that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews chapter 11 is that famous faith chapter in the Bible, Heroes of Faith, and it concludes um, by describing those that are persecuted. He says, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And then he says, of whom the world was not worthy. And so what is their hope if it's not this world? Hebrews 13, 14 goes on to describe 
what, that, what is true for all of us. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in, first, in Philippians 3.18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the persecuted who follow Jesus Christ and are persecuted for righteousness sake are to be encouraged. They're blessed because it is a sign of their citizenship in heaven. Now, you don't buy your citizenship into heaven by being persecuted. You don't walk around hoping that someday somebody will persecute you so you'll get to go to heaven. No, we are citizens of heaven And as a result, we will receive uh, what will be received by the citizens of heaven who follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, They will increasingly follow Christ. They will increasingly demonstrate uh, what it means to be a believer in Christ. The same Holy Spirit that opened our eyes to show us that we uh, need to repent and be humble. You know, the sermon, the the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are those who mourn. We mourn over our sin. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're we're not righteous. We admit we're not there. But we hunger and we thirst for it. And we want that. We know that Christ alone is righteous and we trust in his righteousness. Um, And we're spiritually impoverished. We don't come before God and say, look how great I am spiritually, God. We don't earn our way into God's good graces. We humble ourselves and we come confessing our sins and repenting of our sins and receiving forgiveness because Jesus Christ has, has paid for our debt on the cross. And so God forgives us. And so we're part of his kingdom and we're citizens of heaven. One thing I, I want to point out, and particularly for, for children and youth that are present. I know when I was a kid and I, I heard about the fact that the Holy Spirit helps me become more like Jesus Christ. And uh, it's the process of sanctification. I sort of imagined that that would be a very sort of um, uh, even upward uh, movement, maybe not like a rocket, but, but pretty evenly in the positive direction. And the reality is, is there's, there's setbacks and there's fits and there's stops, but constantly God is working in you uh, to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes we do better, sometimes we do worse, but constantly he is conforming you to the image of Christ, which means that you will be more and more righteous. And as you do, you exhibit the fact that you are citizens of heaven. And we should expect then that persecution should be normal. We shouldn't be surprised about persecution. In fact, Martin Luther said that one of the marks of a true church is whether or not it's being persecuted. And that churches should uh, question whether they are true churches if they are not uh, experiencing persecution. So prevalent should persecution be of Christians. So what types of persecution can we experience? Well, the first type here in broad categories is speech. Uh, Speech for Christ's sake. Blessed are you, this is verse 11, When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. We have to be careful as Christians not to lay down the persecution card, right? And say, 
Somebody looked at me cross-eyed. That means I'm being persecuted. Uh, We can have a persecution complex where we think that we're being persecuted when we're not. But having said that, not all persecution rises to the level of having your house burned down or maybe martyrdom. And we see that here, the primary application that Jesus Christ is giving us of persecution is verbal persecution. We all know the rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Hogwash, they hurt a lot. And so we can be persecuted uh, verbally. In January of this year, a, a TikToker, I think that's what you call the person that does TikTok. If you're not familiar with it, it's, a, it's social media. It's a little mini snippets of video. In this case, it was a 17-second video that uh, a person who calls herself Nurse Holly, uh, who says, I'm a self-described proud nurse and Christian. Uh, she's in her mid-20s. She's a TikToker. She's got 1.7 million followers. And so she, she produced the 17-second video. And, um, and after she produced it, Oh, my goodness, the, the, the Twitter sphere, uh, the Internet blew up with criticism. Here's what she said. The best way to prevent STDs is waiting for sex until marriage. Just the truth. And so here are a couple of responses she got. Um, one nurse said, Nurse Sarah, so tired of nurses acting a fool on their large platforms promoting irresponsible and biased rhetoric regarding public health in an effort to go viral is so low and so dangerous, abstinence teaching does not equate to safe sex. Another nurse, Nurse Diego, healthcare professionals that don't let judgment guide their practice, let me hear y'all make some noise. And another person tweeted, she looks like every girl who was mean in high school but went into nursing because, oh my goodness, I'm just such a caring, compassionate person. So Nurse Holly responds to this criticism by saying, I understand that my voice will not be accepted by many, and it's an unpopular view. This video was simply created with the intention of helping little girls see that saving sex for one partner may have certain benefits. And she added uh, that she had mentioned in her comments that using protection also helps. So what would Jesus say to Nurse Holly? Well, Jesus would say, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Now, other types of persecution, and we'll just say the other category, it can include uh, physical threats. It can include financial threats. It can go all the way to martyrdom um, for Christ's sake. I was meeting with uh, the Tommy and Lois Duncan and the Cutright family um, regarding uh, funeral arrangements for Bill Cutright. By the way, I should have said earlier it will be uh, Tuesday at Kent Forest Lawn at 2 p.m. and a 1 p.m. visitation. I think it's the first time I've ever done that in the middle of a sermon. But anyway, I uh, should have done that in the announcements. Um, so we had this uh, quite uh, wonderful experience of hearing about Bill Cutright's life as I was speaking to them. And uh, he, is, he is quite the interesting person. He's had quite the interesting life. And one of the things he did was um, do a major construction project in the Congo back in the 70s. And uh, he was there with one of his sons, 
uh, doing this project, and they, they found out about a hospital there that was um, providing uh, services, but they had to do it intermittently because they had a generator, a diesel power generator, and they didn't have enough fuel to consistently keep that generator running. And so they hooked up a, a hydroelectric uh, source for that hospital so that it could run and service the clientele, the patients, um, continuously. And as a result of that, the one of the local leaders, uh, chiefs, I guess, um, who had been providing the uh, diesel fuel to the hospital uh, lost a customer. And so he uh, hired a contract, put a contract out on uh, Bill and his son in response. That is being persecuted for righteousness' sake. And so um, that's true. And, and note what Jesus says here. He talks about per persecution for righteousness' sake. And then he goes on to say, it's a persecution that happens for my sake. It's, it's linked to why you do what you do. You're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the, the best thing we could do for somebody is if God would use the gospel, the good news, to lead somebody into a relationship with Jesus Christ that they might come to know what it means to experience the forgiveness of sins and to be reconciled to God and be citizens of heaven and and know uh, that they're going to have a wonderful eternal destiny. And people are persecuted uh, for Christ's sake as they seek to help people in that way. We know in the book of Acts, we see that very early on, that Peter and the apostles are brought in before the religious leaders. And this is recorded in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. And charge them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. We see that being persecuted for Christ can be being persecuted for doing what Christ says to do or not do. And it's also, and that's for righteousness sake. And I guess sort of ironically, we can also be persecuted for calling people to understand that nobody is righteous enough and that we all need to rely on Jesus' righteousness. And both are offensive and both can bring persecution. In other words, if you simply live out your Christian faith and follow Christ and do what he says, like we saw in the case of Mr. Cutright, uh, that can result in persecution. On the other hand, if we tell people that I'm a sinner saved by grace and you're a sinner and you need to be saved by grace and put your faith in Jesus and you're not good enough, that can be offensive too. And so it can bring out persecution. So why is it, if that's the case, that we should be happy when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake? Because it's a sign that you're going to receive great eternal reward as a citizen in heaven, verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This doesn't mean that we're supposed to be, think that somehow persecution is, is uh, pleasant. It's not pleasant. It's very difficult. That's why we call it persecution. And, and also don't mistake Jesus' words here to say that Oh, it's such a good thing that we're not going to, to pray for those that are being persecuted and we're not going to try to help them uh, seek their release if they're in prison or 
uh, righteousness or justice in countries where people are being persecuted, we are to do that. The Bible says that. But we find here in this text that we're to be happy because we have this eternal perspective. We know that this is not our kingdom. This is not our, our final home, that there will be a new heavens and a new earth, that things will be transformed because we are currently now citizens of heaven and we look forward to that heavenly reality. And Jesus says we can go back to the prophets. We can look to the prophets and the prophets had that perspective. Uh, they, they spoke the truth. They lived the truth and they uh, received persecution all the way looking forward. And we find in the book of Revelation, the martyrs that are there having that perspective that there will be a time uh, when judgment will come and all will be made right and justice will prevail. And for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, our hearts will be perfectly conformed to Jesus Christ and there will be no more sin anymore. So we have that perspective and we rejoice uh, because we know that it's coming even as we are persecuted. Again, it's a sign of our heavenly, uh, the fact that we're heavenly citizens. There's a house, there's a plaque growing up in my house. Um, when I was growing up in my house, there was a plaque. And that plaque uh, said, it was a very old poem, it said, Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. That's the perspective. We know as we live for Christ, that is what will last. There will be great reward. So rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted. That's what Jesus says. Now, um, as we finish up the Beatitudes um, and we look back a little bit, you know, some translators actually translate the word blessed here that we find over and over again as happy. And there is even one book with the title for the Beatitudes, the Be Happy Attitudes. And I've not gone there because the, the word blessing is uh, weightier than that. When we think of happiness, it's ethereal. It comes and goes. Um, and blessing is, is grounded in, in something much weightier. Uh, but ironically, this particular beatitude on persecution is the one that is filled with the most happiness, right? Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 40, I quoted the apostles being persecuted, and when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So how did they respond? Verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing, Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Later in the book of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul and Silas. They're being persecuted. Listen to all the things that they go through. This is in Acts chapter 16. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I bet they were listening to them, thinking, 
Who are these crazy people that have been beaten up with rods? They had their clothes stripped from their body. Here they are shackled in prison. It's midnight. They're singing. They're praising God. In Luke chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, we have a parallel account of this particular beatitude. And Luke records it in this way. He says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Leap for joy. Okay, we might be getting, you know, we'll rejoice. These can be heavy and this and that. Leap for joy. We're supposed to be happy at the prospect of being persecuted for the sake of the Son of Man. And that concept is totally contrary to our culture. That's totally contrary to the the American culture and and that we need to be comfortable to be happy. We need to be entertained to be happy. Things need to be going right for us to be happy. As I said, this is the happiest beatitude and it has to do with persecution. Disney World has been called the happiest place on earth. And the truth is, it's not the happiest place on earth. Unless, if you go to Disney World, you happen to be persecuted for Christ's sake. Then it could be the happiest place on earth. I'll conclude with the beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you.